Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. A few years ago, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who runs a production company out in LA. She asked me if I'd like to take on the task of being a forensic expert on a podcast that actually had already started, but she really needed the voice and maybe the lens of a forensics person on this because arguably, as you'll find out soon, the deaths that we're talking about are some of the most complex that you can imagine when it comes to death investigation in my area of specialty, medical legal death investigation. And without batting an eye, of course, I said, certainly I'll be glad to. It's one of those moments in time where be careful what you ask for, because I I really didn't know what I was getting involved with at the time. Because when friends ask you to do stuff for them, you generally say, sure, I'll help you any way I can. And in this case, I became so 
involved in the investigation and coverage of these deaths that I found myself many evenings after doing a taping session crying. I'm not ashamed to admit that because this goes to the heart of everything that I place value on in my life, namely family. We're going to have a discussion today about what has infamously become known as the Pike County Murders, or maybe better known to some of you as the Piketon Massacre. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. First off, Dave Mack, thank you so much for agreeing to, to discuss just how complex telling this tale is from a forensic standpoint of the deaths of eight people. Who, Eight people were murdered at night. Yeah, at night. And, and let me go ahead and throw the tagline in here. Uh, it goes something like, one night, four scenes, eight murders. And I think that any one of those points, one night, that's, that's significant when you couple that with eight homicides that were all committed on that one night. And then you throw in, I think, the logistics of four separate scenes. And it, it, it literally, it, it makes my head swim even now to this day when I begin to think about it. It did happen. And it happened. It's the story of two families, actually two families that have been friends for a long time, the Wagners and the Rodens. Jake Wagner and Hannah Roden began dating when Hannah Roden was 13 and Jake Wagner was 18. Hannah Roden became pregnant with Jake Wagner's baby when she was 15. Baby Sophia was born. Both families loved her. Those who knew Jake Wagner and Hannah Roden said that Jake Wagner was very controlling, had been verbally and physically abusive to Hannah, and Hannah Roden eventually broke up with Jake Wagner. That's when the troubles began. Yeah. As Hannah Roden moved on with her life and started dating other men, she became pregnant with another man's child. Jake Wagner tried to force Hannah Roden to put his name on the birth certificate for the baby of another man. Hannah Roden wouldn't do it. The Wagners tried to force Hannah Roden to sign papers to turn custody of Sophia over to Jake Wagner. She refused. And she posted a message on Facebook that she would, quote, never sign papers ever. They will have to kill me first, unquote. That, that message on Facebook, that is when the Wagner family decided to kill Hannah Roden. And they knew in order to get custody of Sophia, they would have to kill her, Hannah Roden's other relatives so that custody would fall to Jake Wagner and his family. That is where all of this began. The Wagners, when they went about this attempt to wipe them out, I think that they determined order by who is the biggest threat. And of course, in this case, uh, you know, Chris Roden Sr., is the biggest threat here. Just from a physical violence standpoint, he, he was not a type of person that would shy away from defending his family. He had to be eradicated. So that night, his remains were discovered along with his cousin, Gary, who was actually visiting. Okay, that, that's what I wanted to get to. So we've got in this one, first location, we have Chris Roden Sr., the patriarch of the Roden family, and his cousin, Gary Roden, correct. Yes. They're in the same facility. Yeah, they're they're literally in a single wide trailer. Okay. And I don't know at that point in time 
if the perpetrators expected Gary to physically be there. I think that maybe they thought that Chris was going to be there alone, Mm -hmm. perhaps. But, you know, you can tell, you know, we've talked about overkill a lot, you know, on body bags. That's what we should. It's a big element when you begin to think about, you know, who targets are and all that sort of thing. But with Chris, he was actually shot nine times, Dave. You've got multiple weapons, and, and probably the most devastating weapon that was brought to bear in this case, Dave, was uh, was this SKS, which is roughly, just so that folks understand, it's roughly a thirty caliber high-powered rifle, and it's a military-grade weapon uh, that is has original Soviet Soviet origins. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them on the market. You can go out and you can find an SKS just about anywhere. They're cheaper than than even an AK-47 or AK-47 knockoff. And so this weapon was brought to bear. Uh, you've got multiple rounds that have passed through the walls. It gives you an indication, you know, kind of Jake talked about how this all went down and the door was closed. Uh, you know, Chris knew that something was up um, and they were fired through the walls to begin with. And then they made entry into the home. And so you've got Chris who is shot nine times. He's, he's hit, let me see. Let me get this right. He sh- he's hit in the head, the torso, and the arm. As a matter of fact, the the injury that Chris sustained in the arm was so horrific that it has been described as a uh, almost a, a traumatic amputation. You know, with the skeletal features of the arm actually exposed, this round passed through uh, this high velocity round, and so after Chris is killed. Gary, his cousin, who's there as well, and he's 38 years old, lives in Kentucky, and he's shot. He's hit multiple times in the head. So that gives you an idea that he was, you know, you can kind of imply that this was like perhaps an execution. It's hard to score a headshot uh, from a great distance, contrary to what people see on television. This is something that has to be purposed. You come up on the person. And it's total chaos in this environment. And when the from a forensic standpoint, when you think about the 911 call that came in, one of the things that was observed at the scene, Dave, that really, I think, brought everything home was the fact that there were bloody drag marks leading from the living room area all the way back to the bedroom. If people can't envision what that looks like, you think about a blood-soaked towel, perhaps, or something stained where you've drug it across the floor and it's got these kind of uh, curvilinear patterns to it mm-hmm. where this is like a, a, almost like a dirty mop kind of thing being drug across the floor. And it gives you an idea first off of directionality. How chilling is that? Because if you see the beginning of that as just a civilian that walks onto the scene, you see that there is blood on the floor, which you think is blood. And then it's leading away. Oh my gosh. What is this leading to? Can you imagine the chill that's associated with that? There's like debris, you know, piled up uh, sheets, all that sort of stuff. And when this is pulled back, they discover Chris, Chris Sr. and Gary in there covered up and they're just super saturated in blood. Something bad has happened here. Now, Joe, to back up for just a minute, mentioning the weapons and the nine bullet wounds to Chris Roden, correct? Yeah, yeah. All right. You talked about the arm and how damaging that 
shot was. Where were the other shots? What kind of injuries did he sustain from those nine shots? Well, nine? you've got multiple shots that involve the torso. Um, and when I say torso, we have to differentiate, you know, so that people understand that's head, head and abdomen. Generally, when we talk about waist up, the, yeah, the torso itself. Without the extremities? Yeah, without the extremities. We've got the one round that's passing through the arm. And if people will essentially find the base of your wrist where your, your wrist uh, goes into the heel of your hand, moving all the way back to your forearm. That's the area he was shot in. So that's where your your radius and your ulna are, those bilateral bones in there that provide structural integrity to the arm. And, and so those are, are literally um, kind of transected by the bullet or the projectile. And when they went to move his arm, these bones are protruding. And that's that's something that is generally associated with a high velocity round, like a 30, 30 caliber rifle round, which is what the SKS fires. And, and, um, and so that demonstrates that that may have been an early shot. So he's having to fight or protect himself and his cousin with an awareness that he, he, can't, he can't use one of his hands how defenseless that is. And then the headshots are the, they're the coup de gras. That, that's, that is, those are finishing shots where you're going in, you know, what do we think about the most lethal area in the body? You're going to shoot somebody, you're going to pop them in the head. And then that was kind of the finishing uh, at that point. Now, was that in the living room? Is, did all the shots take place? Cause there was a bit of a struggle here. Yeah, there was. And again, back to the awareness, it's almost like a close, close quarters combat event at that point in time where there's this, uh, this Herculean struggle that's going on. You know, you got adrenaline pumping. Which Wagner's when they're doing this? Uh, well, you've, you've got uh, Jake that has entered in uh, to this environment um, along with, uh, along with his dad. Uh, and, and so they're, they're perpetrating this event. The older brother, George, uh, had remained outside, but Jake had left the trailer to go disable the CCTV out in the adjacent structure. And Jake says that when he came back in there, that he knows the bodies were gone and he actually visualized the bodies back in the back of the trailer and they were covered up at that point in time. He said, I don't know who exactly moved them. It wasn't me, but they were moved. He did admit and, and stated plainly that his father said straight up in the paraphrasing, I, I just killed my best friend. So he's got that, you know, in his mind and there's an attempt and I, I it's hard to figure these things out, Dave. What, what do you think you're going to do from a physical evidence standpoint, a forensic standpoint where you're going to actually cover this up? So this is some kind of half-hearted attempt where you're going to drag the bodies back into the back of the house the trailer house and then cover them up with a sheet and you're leaving drag marks behind. What, what are you trying to accomplish here? I don't, I don't think it's so much um, an attempt to eradicate evidence. As a matter of fact, you're creating more evidence because it's a dynamic event. You're actually for the investigators. When you show up at the scene, you see drag marks in blood that, that gives you an idea of postmortem activity. Like you, you're meddling with the body uh, you know, uh, post-mortem after they're dead. So, and there was no attempt to clean that up. 
you know, uh, that that's left behind. So it's, it's almost like a, a marker there that they're leaving behind. So, you know, you begin to think about these things. Why would it be that you're going to go in and, and shoot these people and then try to cover them up? It almost gives you a sense that this is driven by, you know, passion or it's driven by a, 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 an adrenaline burst, you know, where you're in control, you're not in control of, of, logical thought at this point in time. And so that, that, you know, that's, that's just my, my assessment of it. Now, Jake was outside when this was going on and he returns, Jake Wagner uh, was outside when the bodies were drugged. And to be very clear here. Yes. We're starting with this one because the 911 call the next morning that began the reporting on this was from this house. And uh, it was uh, the first murders we heard about, not the order in which they were killed, which actually does kind of come into play here because the way I, I just assumed wrongly that this was the first murder. And yet, what well, was this the first murder? Was Jake, I mean, was Chris uh, Roden Sr. the first one they murdered? Yes. Yes. In my opinion, he, he was. Yeah. Him and then Gary. And again, okay, they, and that's because they saw him as the biggest they threat. They saw him as the biggest threat. Yeah. And that he could bring he could bring the most force to bear. If anybody was going to try to put them off of of doing what they had all sat around in that house uh, at the Wagner homestead and planned sitting around that kitchen table that it was at this moment in time they knew that he had to be neutralized and they lured him there to this spot at that time with the prospect of a drug deal yeah they did and uh, yeah the luring took place with Chris Chris senior you know Chris approached the door under the guise of attempting to buy dope or to set up a, a buy with somebody else or something, you know, this is what they had in their mind in order to facilitate this. It's not like it was necessarily well scripted out and vetted and all those sorts of things, but this is the loose, the loose uh, uh, scenario that they had in their mind. Either way, they knew they could get him to the door and they knew that with the appearance of you know, his best friend at the door that his guard would be down. You know, you, you show up, your, your, your buddy knocks at your door in the middle of the night or late evening. They show up. You're not going to step out on the porch and talk to them. I mean, if it had been some unknown person, all dressed out, decked out in black and all that sort of stuff, you know, you might peek out the window and say, what do you want? <laughs> you know, no, no, no. You're going to open the door and you're going to have a conversation. That's the way it went down. And so that's the first crime scene that was called into 911 the next morning. And this is where the case begins with the elimination of Chris Roden Sr., who was awake, was lured to this place at this time by somebody he saw as a friend, the senior Wagner. You mentioned earlier that the Wagners did not know Gary uh, was going to be there. Or if they did, it was a last-minute thing. They thought they were going to go in and just have Chris to deal with, Chris Roden Sr. Was Gary Roden riddled with bullets the same way that Chris Roden Sr. was? No. No, not not to this degree. No, Chris was a target. And, uh, you know, Gary um, was shot multiple times, but all of his gunshot wounds were headshots. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and a big shout-out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. I live in an area where allergies are a day-to-day issue, and finding an over-the-counter option for relief is like the holy grail. I use Astapro, and I strongly recommend you give it a try. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, and it's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays can take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Years ago, when I got out of my field full-time, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I had sleep disorder. I had depression. And for me, I had to turn to someone to talk to somebody that could aid me along the path to healing, to restore me to that person that maybe I was at one point in time, to make me better for not just myself, but my family. If you're thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can do this anytime that you like. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bags today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash bags. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. These weapons were actually equipped with homemade silencers that were essentially made at home by the Wagners. And there was even digital evidence that this had been searched out, you know, how how to make a homemade silencer. And and there were several iterations of this. Uh, One was, I think, originated with a a maglite 
flashlight where you could actually place this on the end of the barrel and create it. I'm not going to go into great detail about how a suppressor is created, uh, but uh, and everything from that to oil filters to all kinds of other stuff. And, and here's here's another kind of chilling thing that, that occurred from a forensic standpoint, I think, looking at this from an investigation. They'd actually purchased what are referred to as brass catchers, Dave. And brass catchers means that it's it's a it's an add-on to to a weapon where when with a semi-automatic weapon when as these um, empty brass casings are empty casings they don't brass catcher is just kind of a uh, uh, it's like saying Kleenex you know um, it's going to catch the spent hulls of the shells. So that you're not going to leave it behind again. That goes to purpose, doesn't it? Man. You know, I, I'm going to try to do everything I can to mitigate evidence that might be left behind, um, and and that actually comes into play as they leave Chris Senior's home and go next door to Frankie Roden's trailer. This is why there was a need for the silencers because the proximity of the homes, the scenes, the crime scenes were very close and. Firing these weapons inside of a trailer would have woken up the neighborhood. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that that's probably the case. Uh, it, neighborhood they, being the wrong term to use. It was a, a rural area, but it, the Roden family all lived right here. Yeah, they're they're kind of heavily concentrated in this area, and for whatever reason, um, you know, Frankie, who's twenty years old, he lives in. A trailer that, and I've, I've physically been here. I could, as bad as my old shoulders are at this point in my life, I could pick up a rock and probably have thrown it from Chris Sr.'s home to Frankie's home and hit the roof of that trailer. Uh, and that's how close in proximity, of course, you've got, you've got buildings that are kind of in between. All right, you've got a barn structure, this sort of thing. And, of course, Chris famously had the large grow area, which was a huge facility behind his house, and they would use it for a variety. It was, a, was it covered? Yeah, 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 it was covered. So as the investigation into these murders took place, you mentioned the grow operation. All of the rodents at one point in time or other were involved in growing marijuana. Small, big, what have you, or at least Chris was yeah, by extension. You know the the peripherals were there. There's an awareness you can't <laughs> you can't live in this close proximity, um, and you know, uh, and not have an awareness of what's going on. And of course, this is uh, a straight up, you know, obviously uh, cash business. And so that from that perspective, it could be hidden. You know, if you're changing dollars and handing things over and that sort of thing, and uh, who knows how how extensive the so-called network is? This is not you know the 1980s in Southern Florida where you've got a huge you know people flying stuff in. It's not like that. You're talking about people that live in isolation. Uh, one person I've heard said it's it's the area you know you have to pipe in sunshine, and, and that's it's a that's a good thing because it's beautiful. I mean it's absolutely gorgeous, but it is in isolation. Um, you're not near a major you know, interstate highway where there's going to be drug trafficking per se. So you have to think about that from the sense that this is kind of a limited operation and, and probably you're dealing with locals. All right. So Chris Roden, he is now eliminated the 40 year old patriarch of the family. He was awake when it began. 
He was shot nine times. His face was obliterated. Uh, the 911 call said they beat him. Yeah. So when the Wagners arrived at the Roden premises, they were barefoot. And did they not put shoes on when they were in Roden's house? Yes, they did. And the reason we know that is that there was actually a recovered print uh, in blood. Um, you know, that they had foot protection while they were on in there. And uh, that, that was one of the things that kind of sealed the deal. Because you could look back at the nature of that print that was left behind on the floor and get an, um, an idea of the structure of the, of the shoe. Um, uh, interesting little aside about this is that it wasn't coming up on any of the reference material for the people at state crime lab. And this, <laughs> this technician, and it, this is one of the odd things about this case it, it, among many others, but one of the, I guess from an investigative standpoint, a really cool, cool point. She she took it upon herself to go out and go shopping. I'll be doggone she didn't discover these these shoes that had been purchased at Walmart. And it was it was a spot on Mac. That's just too weird. You know, I know, you know, what are the chances? And you talk about just kind of good old fashioned investigative literal what they used to call uh shoe leather investigative shoe leather uh where you're and that's kind of an interesting statement um where you're <laughs> where you're gonna go out and you're gonna seek this thing out well you think about it in this case joe forensically yeah. the, because these families had been involved with one another for many many years there was a reasonable expectation that hair fi and fibers and things like that from the wagners would be in the rodent home it's just an expectation based on their relationship. Yeah, and you're right. And that's a great point because, you know, I have a lot of people, you know, that will say, uh, well, just look at the DNA, uh, you know, and, you know, this and that. And there really wasn't any DNA because uh, people always want that. But that one piece of evidence, when you think about it, that shoe print, and it was actually contentious in court uh, because, uh, you know, there there were questions about, the experts that were brought in to do the examination, uh, there was uh, by the state, they had reached out to an individual that is highly trained, highly competent, highly respected, um, uh, that was brought in to examine, examine the shoes. And they try to make a big deal out of how shoe print evidence is, is not, they'll, they'll try to use terms like pseudoscience you know, to say that, you know, these markers can't be positively and numerically identified, uh, you know, like you would with toxicology or DNA. Hey, 28 years earlier, they were able to figure out Bruno Molly's shoes on O.J. Simpson's feet. You're absolutely right. And so uh, all of a sudden we're in this new paradigm uh, where, you know, the gold standard is DNA. And it's really hard to live up to, that, right. to those numbers, you know, and everybody wants it. But that shoe print is, is something I think that... You know, when we go back in time, we study these cases, that's going to be a seminal moment in time where, you know, you talk about what what were the biggest damning pieces of evidence. And it's it's going to be in the top five in 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 this in this massacre. OK, now, Chris Roden, Gary Roden, his cousin, both dead. So they leave Chris Roden's trailer and walk several hundred feet to the next victim home, which is Frankie Roden. Yes. All right. Now, inside this home is Frankie Roden, who's 20 years old. Uh, Hannah Hazel Gilly is 20 years old. And there are two children. Now, are these the children of Frankie and Hannah, or 
they're Hannah's children, correct? Uh, well, one of these children um, is the older child who eventually comes to the door, um, you know, and, and infamously says, "Daddy's Daddy's playing zombie." That child is in Frankie's custody, and that's from a previous relationship. They have a young child uh, who is actually sleeping in bed with them, Dave. And this is a child that is like super saturated in the blood of, of the parents. Back up. They leave the Chris Roden Sr., they being the group of Wagners. Now, what group of Wagners are doing this? I, we all know Jake Wagner uh, is, the, is, is there. Uh, his dad and his brother, correct? Yes. We have three Wagners? Yes. So the three Wagners now leave Chris Roden's. They walk to Frankie Roden's house at 20 years old, Hannah at 20 years old, and their two children. Now, it's in the middle of the night, and they are in bed asleep, correct? Yes, they are, and they, they tried to use use the method of getting them to come to the door by knocking on the door, and they couldn't they couldn't rouse them. So what happens next? Well, Jake actually enters through a window on the back of the on the back of their trailer, comes in through that window, opens the door so that the others can get in. Uh, this child uh, that we're not going to mention the children's names, but this child, the older child, is actually sleeping on the sofa. Um, and Jake enters the bedroom of of Frankie and Hannah. They're in bed sleeping and this baby is sleeping between them. That's when he he opens up. He shoots Frankie, uh the twenty year old who is is Jake. Uh yeah. Uh shoots Frankie, who is Chris Senior's son, uh shoots him in the head. He's deceased. And then just opens up on Hannah. And I find this is one of the things that kind of left us scratching our heads about this. Why? Why would, why would Hannah Hazel Gilly is actually her name. Uh, she's 20 years old as well. Her and Frankie are not married, but they are referred to as fiancés. And he's, he shot her five times in the head, Dave. You know, what? what would be the need to do that? You know, you think, well, it, one wasn't sufficient, so I'm going to do it again just to make sure she's down. But why five? Is there any sign that they got up and tried to fight? No, no. They were dead. They were dead in the bed where they were laying, and that, that little precious baby was laying in between them. We know they had multiple guns. Was it Were multiple guns used in the uh, headshots, or was it one? No, this is going to be a one-shot, a one-weapon deal. And they're left there. And and here's here's one other thing that Jake had admitted to. There was... There were apparently like piles of clothes and this sort of thing occupying the space. So Jake had attempted, remember we talked about brass catchers earlier. Apparently yeah. the weapon that he's using at this moment in time does not have a brass catcher because he's expending brass. And his big concern was to be able to try to retrieve that brass. He couldn't find it all. And they actually found uh, found a spent casing in there. And again, that's another forensic tieback in this particular case. And so he just, he couldn't recover everything there physically at the scene. So they actually exfil from this scene and they're going to go and go to Dana Roden's house now. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Chris Roden and his cousin Gary in the first trailer, now dead. So now we go to Frankie, Frankie Roden, Hannah Gilly in bed with a baby between them. The baby's left alive. The perpetrators now leave the premises. How far do they have to now go to get to the next location where Dana Roden is? It it would be a very easy trip for them. Uh, you can't see Dana's house. And just so I can set the scene for you, um, having been there, um, where Chris Sr.'s home and Frankie's home, which are, they would be what we refer to as next door neighbors. They're on the north side of the road. And then if you go back up the road toward what would be referred to as town. Town is still always away. Dana's house would be on the south side of the road. Okay. And so it again sits back from the road. She doesn't really have a lot of neighbors that are near her and it's set back. And this, her, her home 
Dana's home is a bit more robust. It is, in fact, a mobile home, but it is one of these mobile homes where it has been been in place. It's got a uh, a built out porch on the front of it, and then there are adjacent add-ons to it to kind of expand it out a bit. And then there is a large garage that's immediately adjacent to her home on a paved on a, a paved drive. It, it looks nothing like the other two homes. Chris Senior's home, just so you know, there there are old cars everywhere, Dave. You know, when you take a look at the aerial shots of his place, it looks like total chaos. And it's total chaos to us, but, you know, he would work on old cars and all that sort of thing. It's not chaotic to him. It's it's the way he had things ordered and not to mention, you know, the the grow house and, and all those sorts of things. But taking, taking a look at this, you think, well, how in the world are you going to negotiate all of this? Dana's home is something completely different. It, it is absolutely completely different when they make entry, you know, into her home, which there was no attempt to rouse her out of the bed. The door was unlocked that came in through the house. And you've got, again, you've got Jake going back to her bedroom. And one chilling account, he talks about how Dana, when he opened the door to her bedroom, when he made entry into her bedroom, her face was illuminated by her phone. She was laying in bed on on the phone, looking at things. And for that moment in time, they made eye contact. And that's, that's when, you know, um, he went to work. And he shot her uh, laying in in her bed. Jake Wagner admitted to shooting five people, killing five. Was Dana one of them? Yes. Did Jake Wagner kill Dana? Yes, he did. Now there are still in Dana's home, Hannah Mae Roden. Yes. 19. Now this Hannah Mae Roden is the genesis of this entire story. The entire thing. She's 19 years old and she is in this home with her, with uh, Dana and Chris Roden Jr., is in the home. He's 16 years old. A high school student, yes. And then Hannah Mae Roden had given birth to a child four days earlier. Yeah. She's in a postpartum state at this moment in time and taking care of her baby, Hannah Mae, who is Jake's former lover and had had a child who, by the way, that child that night was in the possession of the Wagners, Dave. Jake had openly admitted that he did not want the baby to starve because, you know, I guess in his mind, he didn't know how long it would take for this to be discovered, these homicides to be discovered. So he, he placed the child adjacent uh, to Hannah's breast so that the child could suckle during the night. He, he, you know, and she's, she's in a postmortem state. He's murdered. Just let that sink in. He he's murdered this young mother, and he he paused long enough to think that well, it would be best if I could place the baby adjacent to the breast so that the child could feed during the night, feeding off the dead dead mother, and um, I, I you know for a long time as I've covered this case I've thought about you know 
I, I didn't know what to think about that because there, there's, there's part of it that's very human. I guess some people might even say that <laughs> in a twisted kind of way, it's, it's compassionate. I, I don't know. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, it's one of the more sickening aspects to this because this, this child, you know, keep in mind, um, Hannah's body has been greatly traumatized. That's, that is probably one of the biggest understatements I could possibly make about this, uh, because she's been shot again, five times in the head. And I'm still fascinated by that, that we've gotten both of these young ladies, both the Hannah's that are shot, uh, five times in bed. Joe, with five gunshot wounds to the head for Hannah Mae Roden, there's still a 16-year-old boy in the house, uh, Chris Jr. How did they kill him? Was he awake? No. A single gunshot wound to the head. He was actually killed in his bedroom. Now, I think he came off the bed, perhaps, and was wedged between the wall. So now we've got the first three locations the fourth location, Joe, is not there. These three are on the same area. The fourth location is not, it's, it's miles away, seven and a half miles away. And it's a camper trailer, correct? Yes, yes, it is. You know, when I was standing out there, I thought these other locations were truly in isolation. But, you know, buddy, when you get out there to where Kenneth lived, this is... It's not an unimproved dirt road. It's been graded. You know, there's gravel on either side. But um, in the way we measure things nowadays, I think relative to isolation, that sort of thing is, do we have cell coverage? It was hit or miss at best out there. So it's not it's not like you're going to, you know, hop on the phone, have an extended extended conversation with somebody. You know, you've got to get to a spot, you know, where you, where you can actually utilize your phone. Yeah, right. Well, now, how was Kenneth Roden related to Chris Roden senior. Yeah, okay, so Kenneth, you know, keep in mind Chris Chris senior and this is a bit confusing I think for some folks. Chris senior even though he's the patriarch uh of the family, he's the younger brother of Kenneth. And so Kenneth, you know, he had he had his own family. He had he had uh children uh but he lived in this little caravan, if you will, little little travel trailer that was pulled out onto this piece of property. Seven and a half miles away from the other three scenes. How many times was he shot? And by what, what gun do you know? He's only shot a single time, Dave. He's only shot a single time. And when he shot, he shot with, uh, with a forty caliber Glock, which is one of the other weapons that they had. They had this twenty two handgun, twenty two caliber handgun that looked like an old-fashioned Colt 45, 1911 Colt 45. Was he asleep when he was shot? Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was stated that, you know, his door was simply kicked in. He was shot in the head and that was it. And then, you know, the perpetrators turned and left. One interesting little aside is that uh, Kenneth, who lived in the trailer, in the travel trailer, that was roughly seven miles away. Uh, he even had his own tiny little grow operation at his house. And so again, you come back to thematically, you come back to, to the drugs and look, I'm not, I'm saying the universal you, you cannot fault the police for exploring that because, you know, first off you're saying, 
what in the heck? We've got eight dead bodies. What's the common denominator here? Well, at Chris's house, he's got a, a literal grow house. He's growing weed there. Uh, and then uh, his brother that lives at a great distance away, he's got a, a small grow operation, maybe for personal consumption. Maybe he could sell, sell a dime bag, you know, out of what he's producing. But that's one of the common denominators that you have to look at investigatively. It's real easy, I think, for us to Monday morning quarterback a situation like this. But it's, it is, and this goes back to what I've taught investigators in the past, you truly have to be that quiet in the center of the storm. Because when you think about this community, you talk about eight eight victims all at one time. If you and I are in a basic college statistics class together, that number is statistically significant. It, this is not something you just like it, it, from, you know, from the overall population of this little county, eight people dead in one night. That's a statistically significant number. So everybody there, chins are going to be wagging about this. They're, they're going to want to know. And, you know, nothing will get population in more of a stir than a multiple homicide because they, you know, people go home, they load their weapons and they lock their doors because they don't know who's out there. And Dave, this case, these cases took so long to effect an arrest on. And, and that's, that's what's really striking about it. It took that long to formulate everything. Even after you have all of this forensic data that you've collected, how are you going to take all of that data and tie it back? Even Jake said, you know, they, they wore the shoes. They particularly wore, they, they put on masks. They're not going to shed hair. They thought about that. Uh, they've got gloves on. They even dyed their hair. Those Jake and the brother, they both dyed their hair it, that week. Yeah, I mean, they're taking steps to avoid leaving behind some element of their person. They wore gloves the entire time. Even after these deeds were done, Jake went and his brother went to great lengths to begin to tear apart these weapons. They actually took these particulate weapons and place them into buckets, fill them with cement, and then use them to weight down what's referred to as a goose house, which I found absolutely fascinating. I'd never heard of a goose house, but in a pond where they couldn't be found. So they're making, they're taking steps to put as much distance between themselves and the physical evidence that they've created, which there, by the way, there is a lot, but they tried to do everything they can to separate themselves from it. But because of the personal relationships they all had, their DNA, their hair, things like that would be realistically expected to be found in these locations, number one. Number two, the Wagners carried on as grieving friends. They went to the funerals and cried at the funerals and uh, lived that life for a while. They actually, uh, it took years of developing the story. We now know it, as you say, the Monday morning quarterback or hindsight, now that we know what actually transpired because Jake told us, uh, I don't know how much was really put together in the initial beginning of this investigation based on drugs, cockfighting, surveillance cameras set up everywhere, multiple grow locations. And you have to wind through all of this to get down to, wait a minute. It really comes down to two teenagers that have a child, they break up. And as they're moving on to different relationships, the boy doesn't like the girl dating some of the guys. And he uses his daughter to say, she's going to put my daughter in harm's way. And that escalates into the only way I'm going to get my daughter out of, out of harm's way is by killing the mother. 
and by the way, anybody else that can tie me and my family to this crime, which is exactly what they proved happened. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's as these individuals are traveling through that dark night where maybe they're all together in a vehicle and they're traveling out to kill these individuals and they've killed maybe the first group of people. Maybe they've killed Chris. Their adrenaline is pumping. Now they've got to go to the next one. And then the next one. What do you say to one another in those quiet moments? Maybe you've got a bit of blood on your clothes. Maybe you can still smell the burned gunpowder on yourself. Maybe, maybe, just for a second, you can hear a scream that still echoes in your ear. Or hear someone begging for their life. I I don't know. Again, words fail me. The only way I can really say is I don't, I don't know how you take the measure of such evil. I have no idea. I hope that you'll please join me on the Oxygen Channel on the 24th of November at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central for the Pike County Murders, a family massacre. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.